Thank you for listening to this episode of Changes Big and Small. This is your host, Damian. Changes Big and Small will help you take action in your life with intention and purpose. In each episode, I invite you to accept unexpected challenges that will help you make progress to live the life that you want. Today, I'm chatting with Paul Sanders. Paul is an author, coach, and founder of GetTheFriendsYouWant.com. He has been writing and coaching on loneliness, shyness, social skills, conversation, friendship, and social life since 2011. He's helped thousands of people improve their social lives, and today he's here with us to help us improve our social lives. So thank you for joining me, Paul. Thank you for having me. I want to start with social skills. Why are social skills so important for making friendships? And what are the important social skills in friendship? I think I want to tell you, the people who are listening right now, the most important social skills for them are the social skills they lack the most. The reason I'm saying this is that the way social skills work is that they are multipliers for each other. So if you have a few social skills and you add a new one, it's not a plus the new social skill. It's multiple of the new social skill. So, for example, if someone is a really good listener and they have great empathy, if they add to it the new social skill, which is, let's say, being able to express themselves very clearly. Now, this new situation, they don't have the first one plus the new one. They have the first one multiplied by the new one. Let's take a step back. So if somebody is listening right now and we've set the stage that, okay, social skills are important in friendship. Mm-hmm. What social skills are we talking about? Which are the important ones in friendship? Okay, so the list is really, really long. But okay. if, mm-hmm. if you want to focus, we can focus this question maybe on starting friendships. Do you want to start from scratch or you move to a new city or have gone through a divorce or a relationship breakup and you want to start from scratch and start a new social life from scratch? I actually would like to reframe that if possible to being, if you have some acquaintances, there are some people that you know, but you want to create a deeper friendships as opposed to those more casual friendships. That's a very different process. If you want to deepen the friendships, the the social skills you're going to need are very different. I would say empathy, understanding others, conflict management and interest management, or at least goal-plan detection in others, which means you got to understand what they're trying to do. I don't know if you heard of this, but many people will tell you, I don't know why people behave the way they behave socially. I don't understand what's going on. So the social skill that is lacking there is goal-plan detection, which means you got to understand the goals of others and what plan they have in achieving those goals. Let me give you a very concrete example. Let's say you're in a friendship, uh, a friend group of uh, let's say six people and you got a person that's behaving a little bit weirdly and you don't know why. Maybe the reason they are behaving that way is that maybe, just maybe, they're trying to transition a friendship with someone in the group from friendship to a romantic relationship. If you can't detect that, then, they're not going to make sense to you. Mm. And you're going to break rapport with them because you're not going to understand them. You're going to think you don't connect anymore, but it's not true. You're just not detecting what's going on. 
So I would say that's a social skill. There are many others. A list can be huge, especially if you're going through the lifetime of friendship. Because as soon as you spend, let's say, months or years with someone, meeting them regularly or periodically, you would be in so many different situations that uh, you're going to use every social skill under the sun. And there are many of them. If somebody's listening and they think, oh, I'm really good at understanding, but I'm not so good at empathy, then your suggestion is that by building this additional social skill, this is a force multiplier for them in terms of having stronger relationships. Absolutely. And I can give you an example. I I know people who are so great at social skills, extroverts and great at social skills. Mm -hmm. And they're really amazing storytellers, but they don't know when to stop. They don't connect with others as much as they could because they don't listen enough. They don't have that empathy where, okay, I have so many great things to say and I can make the whole experience very fun and I have so many stories. But hey, do you detect when others want to talk? Even if they're quiet and they don't ask for attention, can you detect when they want to talk? Because for them, that's a big deal, right? Especially introverts. If you see an introvert who who is not talking a lot, Maybe because they don't want to talk a lot, but when they do, that's very important and you want to listen to that. In your work with people, are there particular social skills that you see is most often lacking? People come to me with all kinds of uh, challenges, but something that is common that I find is the social skills that are relevant to this friendship starting process, like starting new friendships and finding new friends. And what's one of those, for example? What is a great friendship skill to have in terms of starting friendships is knowing where to go to find new people. Sounds simple, but makes a big difference. It's the difference between wasting months of your life, trying to look for friends in the wrong places, or doing the opposite, which is finding the right places. Finding the right places, I would say, is go to places where people expect to meet new people. You don't go to a place that is too public, like a restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop. Friendship can happen there, but it's an exception, not the rule. The places where people expect to meet new people are semi-public. It's a public place probably, but it's about something. Like let's say, all right, you can go to a museum and uh, you can meet people there. But if the museum has an event about some type of artwork or artist, specifically and it's a discussion and there is a cocktail and we're all going to talk specifically about something in particular that something becomes an alibi a reason why we're here even though we expect to meet new people we have an alibi it's not like romance you don't just ask someone for a date this is friendship it needs to have something that's brought you together an environment As soon as you step there, you have something in common with everybody else, which is your interest in that thing. So that's where you want to be. And that's why I recommend meetup events. You can find all kinds of events that are about something you're interested in. It doesn't have to be your number one passion in the world. It just needs to have some relevance to your life. You're, You're even thinking about doing it. Like, I'm thinking maybe I'll do yoga sometime. I don't know. Not sure. You can go to a yoga event and actually meet new people. So there is a subject, a theme, an interest. It can also be a person. A person can be a great thing. Like if you're moving somewhere, somewhere new, you can 
reach out to someone and say, hey, just looking to meet new people. If you want to do coffee, whatever. And they're going to naturally invite other people or you can actually tell them. And the fact that you have a friend in common says a lot about both of you. So here you mean reaching out to people that you already know and let them know that you want to grow your friend circle. Yes, but I wouldn't say that's like a number one advice because that's not an option for everybody. Many people want to start from scratch completely. I said that for people who are moving to a new place, which is different. So when I say the, the thing that brings you together, it can be a person, think birthdays, think uh, dinner party, think uh, barbecue party, whatever, you know, something that brings you together and they're going to invite you and their other friends. The person can be a friend, can be a cousin, they can be a colleague, whatever. So something needs to bring you together. Those are the places where you meet new friends and they are the easiest places at the same time. So another element of that, I think smaller events, they tend to be a little bit more accessible to introverts. I will give an example. Mm-hmm. I have joined this group, Internations, in many different countries. It's a bit like meetups, but there are many groups within the Internations community in a country. And yeah. it's a group for both locals and expats or visitors yeah. within an area. And they tend to do monthly events that are big events where everybody is invited as well as having smaller events like dinners or hikes and that kind of thing. And I have friends that I've met on Internations, casual friends, that go to every large event, whereas Uh I have been to two large events and have no intention of going to another one. So when we think about what appeals or when we think about where to meet people, then thinking about what works for you, your own nature, your own interests is a very important part of that equation. And so as we appeal or as we think about extroverts versus introverts, what have you noticed in terms of the types of situations or the types of environments that could help each of them be more successful? Can I first comment on your experience with internations and your introversion, et cetera? Mm -hmm. First of all, I like internations. I know the website, been to so many events, uh, been one of the managers of the whole thing. So a console. Yeah, I can't say this is not a sponsored post. Not sponsored at all. But I like (laughs) them. I like them because they bring so many different people and you can learn a lot. And uh, it's really great. Sometimes it can work, sometimes not, but you got to try it. So big events, small events, introverts in a big event might think, okay, maybe this is not for me. And I would say you're just missing out. Not necessarily you, but I'm I'm just saying maybe because social skills don't really depend on your introversion or extroversion. If you go back to what I said at the start, it's goal plan detection, but there is also goal plan effectiveness, how effective you are in reaching your social goals. It doesn't matter whether or not you're introvert or extrovert, okay? Starting conversations, you can do it no matter who you are and no matter what your personality is. Then if you really wanna learn how to be social in big events, you can do it. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying your introversion has nothing to do with your ability to do it or not. I would say that it's less about ability and more about interest or desire or even how appealing a different environment. Yes, but the reason I insist on this is that I want to give listeners and anybody who interacts with me as much freedom as possible. 
And sometimes those big events attract more people. And sometimes the people who are going to show up there, they're not going to come to the smaller events. So you're saying that by limiting the environment, then you could be missing out on opportunities for friendship. Exactly. If you're able to do it, then we're all good. I have nothing to say. But if you're not, just because you think you're an introvert and things are not working, I think you're missing out. Do something different. Yeah, managing your introversion in a big event can be done. One of the things I tell people all the time is being introverted is akin to being highly sensitive. So if you're facing the crowd, there are too many stimulants, too many things to pay attention to, and your mind gets overwhelmed very quickly and you shut off. One of the ways to combat this is don't face the crowd, don't face a highly active environment. You can face the bar even if you're close to it, so you can only see a few people or five people. That looks like a small event, even if you are with 100 people uh, behind you, you don't care. You're only uh, concentrating on things you can pay attention to. So you can do that. You can also just pay attention to others because every big event, there are so many people who are nervous. Just like you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. And they would love for someone to come and talk to them, even quietly. You don't have to be at the center of the room where the music is loudest. You can be on the sides and go have that amazing conversation. If you can do it, then I have no comment. But if you just can't do it because you think that's not you, then we can improve on that. Yeah, I like that. So for example, I was just at a wedding where there were hundreds of people and I found my people for the evening, you know, that small group of people that were happy to sit and chat together, but also get up and dance together and have a fun time. So I'm happy that you challenged me here because... I don't know that that means that I will go mm-hmm. to any or every internation's big event, mm-hmm. but I think that it's a very important point that if what you're doing is not working for you because you're too constrained in your environment, then look at how broadening mm-hmm. the opportunities where you show up could be helpful. That could mean maybe consider how you could experience a bigger event as if it's a small event and start making those smaller steps little by little to being able to be in different environments. Exactly. And social skills uh, are about freedom, really. Maximizing the places you can be and the goals you can achieve socially just because you have the tools. And then do whatever you want because that's my goal. In terms of all the small tips or tweaks that you find to be helpful to people in whatever environments they find themselves, do you have any other suggestions like the ones you've just given So let's go back to starting uh, friendships, the process of starting friendships. Let's say you listened to my advice and you went to the right places. What you're going to discover is you got to start conversations. This social skill, a lot of people talk about it and they make a big deal out of starting conversations. Many times because they're concentrating on starting conversations with strangers who do not necessarily want to talk to you. Once you go to the right places, you're going to discover that it's the easier things to do in the world. I mean, you could have some leftover anxiety and shyness, which is completely okay. But one of the ways you can ask yourself, is this a right event for me? Is that you imagine yourself there and you would ask, is it appropriate to just walk up to someone and introduce myself? Hi, my name is so-and-so. If it's appropriate in that place, 
then that's a great place to meet new people. Starting conversations goes like that. Hi, my name is so-and-so, blah, 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 nice to meet you. And then what do you talk about once you say hi? I'm not going to give you a technique, but a principle that works pretty much every time in pretty much every situation, which is talking about what brought you together. The thing you have in common as soon as you walk in the room is what brought you together. So you talk about that. It's Damian's birthday. Great. How do you know Damian? If it's your birthday, then that's what brought us together. We talk about you. How long have you known her? What is your relationship with her? Oh, I know she worked in that company five years ago. Oh, I remember. You talk about what's brought you together. So it could be in a museum and they have an event about a crazy artist. So how did you discover this great artist? And how long have you known about him? And do you see the latest news about him? It's so general, but it's about something we already know that we have together as a common interest. And then it starts to break the ice. And as we talk about both of our relationship to what brought us together, we automatically start to re reveal things about them ourselves. Like, oh, I, I've known her when we used to work in that place. Oh, I remember. Are you still working there? And now we're automatically revealing things uh, about each other. And we're getting to know each other in a very superficial level, but it's very important. And we start to do small talk. Oh yeah, that company is actually great or oh, they're not very good. I think the new company that's a, a competitor is better. Now we're talking about something completely different. And it's just small talk going from subject to subject to subject without getting in the weeds and getting too deep in any of those subjects. That's another social skill. That now we're not starting a conversation. It's about keeping it going, making it interesting, holding other people's attention, making it engaging. Right? So you see the transition. And so I'm thinking that you need to get from small talk to meaningful. Like often small talk is not meaningful. So would this happen in that first initial conversation? That's a great question. But you know what? Having a meaningful conversation the first time you meet someone is only a preview on what you can have later. It's like a preview into how meaningful things can be later down the road. And that's what catches people's attention. And they're like, oh, there is absolutely a potential for friendship here. We're not just talking. It's an emotional transition. Let's stick with small talk is very important. I often hear a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this myself, say, I don't enjoy small talk. I don't like Wait. small talk. Small talk is a waste of time. I know. So I how know. would you respond <laughs> to those comments? I've seen it on the internet. I've seen it as a trend because I pay attention to some trends. The reason I insist on this is uh, often I tell people, if something pisses you off in social life or something you don't have as a skill, ask yourself why. Why is small talk so important? Okay, let's say you meet someone new. Friendship gets built around having things in common. It can be interests, it can be shared experiences, opinions, beliefs, values, principles, shared goals, shared just outlooks on life, shared philosophies. Those are things friendship gets built upon. If you don't do small talk, you will never discover those things with people. You will never do it. And that's just for starting a friendship. And that's why I say small talk is very important because you're covering a lot of ground with the person. 
subject to subject to subject, you're covering a lot of ground to discover the common ground. If you don't do it, you're not gonna know that both of you are huge fans of this particular TV series that is so underrated. You will never discover that just because you think, oh, small talk is for superficial people. It's not. Another very, very, very important function of it in terms of starting friendships is that it reveals the things you have in common. Mm -hmm. If you skip it, you might be a huge yoga fan and you could be talking to another very huge yoga fan and not just a fan of yoga, but specific type of yoga that is underrated. And you're talking to each other and just because you skipped small talk, you're just never going to know because small talk reveals things about people. And then when you find those things in common, then you can go uh, and talk even 30, 40 minutes in one subject. I also feel that certain types of people may be resistant to small talk. This is probably the people that it may be best for. So for example, shy people or introverts, if you say, go up to somebody and say, hi, I'm Damian, what's your name? Or hi, I'm Damian, nice to meet you, or whatever as the case may be, that doesn't seem like an insurmountable thing to do. Because if I'm trying to think of too many steps ahead, that's when it becomes a bit of a paralysis. But if I think, okay, I'm going to go up and I'm going to say hello and have that one point of connection with them and see what comes out of it Mm -hmm. to progress the conversation, then it's a lot more accessible, I think. Are there things that people do? Like they may be adept at small talk, but are there things that people do when they find themselves in social situations that makes it more difficult for them to connect and build friendships? I'm going to share with you something that I see, and it's very common. It has to do with the building trust, even in the first interactions with a new person. So I see a lot of people who have this idea of trust that is an on or off thing. Mm. Either they trust you or they don't trust you. So it's either or. When in reality and how our personalities work is that it's a continuum goes from zero to 100%. So people who have trust issues or have trouble opening up to others. So if you want others to connect with you and relate to you, you have to open up a little bit at least. You got to give them something they can hold on to. In order for you to be able to do that, you got to be able to trust them a little bit with some information that is not a secret, but it's not something you would say to a complete stranger in the bus or the subway. So how do you build that? Well, you got to start with baby steps. Just do 5% more than usual. And 5% is not a big step. If you reveal information about yourself, just 5% more, you see it like layers, like an onion. You're not going to give them the the last layer, the internal layer. You're going to give them something kind of superficial, it's kind of public, but not really public. It's not really private, but neither. But you're going to open up a little bit more. And you're going to see great results in how people uh, interact with you and open up to you. And this difficulty of being closed, even when talking to people, is something I see that is common and can block others. It can signal to others as if you're not really interested in them. So is, what does this look like? So for example, I'm thinking, sometimes I see people in conversation where one person asks a question and the other person deflects rather than answering it directly. 
is that the kind of thing that you're thinking of or do you have some examples yes yeah, something like that it can be someone who only answers things logically without emotion yeah exactly emotionless or depersonalizes everything you talk about like let's say you talk about breakups can be hard and you share a breakup story from your life like oh it took me three months just to get over someone i've been uh, dating for six months so it's pretty hard and it took time and you know, but you got to be patient and you start to talk about these things. They're emotional, they're personal. And the other person just stays like laid back. Let me analyze this like a scientist and give you some statistics and, you know, depersonalize it. And I'm never going to say anything about myself, but she's going to talk about it as a subject. And that's like a tell, like, especially with those very emotional subjects. Like I gave you an opportunity to be vulnerable. It's so clear. And you didn't do it. Maybe you don't want to be engaged in this conversation, really. Maybe you, you want to keep a distance. When in reality, the, the person is just not used to it. Maybe they are fearful of, of revealing things about themselves, which is such a big missed opportunity for mm. everyone. Everybody loses. Just because that person doesn't have the social skill of revealing things about themselves, but not too much too soon. Because they haven't learned that trust is a continuum. Like, it can give, it can trust you a little bit more than usual and not to reveal everything. So. I know you're talking about how being too rational can be a barrier, but it's interesting because I'm reading a book right now and it's okay. not related to relationships. But one of the things it talks about is how human beings are not just rational beings, that a lot of how human beings access the world and process the world is through emotions. And that is often one of the things that's missing in our interactions with people that we're sometimes not even aware. We're like, well, we give them all of the information needed. We give them all of the rationale. How are we not connecting? <laughs> and it's often because you have not actually yeah. addressed the emotions of the situation or of the person. Absolutely. And sometimes people just want to know if you're, uh, I don't want to be really crass, but they just want to know if you're a human being. And human beings are not perfect. The only uh, human beings that are perfect are just pretentious people. If you have some experience in life, you know that nobody is perfect. That's we know. But are you going to reveal any vulnerabilities? Because if you do that, oh my God, you're a daring person. You're a courageous person. And that's the kind of person you want to be around. Everybody wants to be around that person who dares to show everybody, hey, remember, not everything I do is rational, not a robot. And I have this vulnerability in this and that, and I'm okay with it. Because that's the truth. And if you can tell, tell that truth to even new people, they're like, wow, they get it. I think there's a lot that you've already given me and listeners to All think right. about. I would like to invite yeah. you, if someone wants more friends in their life, what's one action they can take yeah. today, this week? Something small enough that they don't need to put it off, that they can start taking action straight away. I have something for you. They can do it in two ways, either with a post-it note or with their electronic calendar write something in it that will remind you to be social either a post-it note on your screen or on uh, your calendar and make it recurrent if you're going to use an electronic calendar make it a recurrent event like every tuesday or wednesday or monday or tuesday way before the weekend and it's a reminder every week like hey social hour or put it on on the post-it note so what does that mean what are you going to do in that social hour you're going to find events that are happening in your city that are interesting to you. If you have friends already or acquaintances you want to turn into friends, 
or potential friends or old friends or whatever, you want to use that time and reach out to them. Reach to a few. Hey, how are you doing? It's been a while. I hope you're well. Uh, how is XYZ? It can be the job, the kid, the wife, the husband, whatever. Whatever memory you have of them, how is that going? Just reach out, connect. You can do that. And then the people you've connected with recently, you can look for things you can do that weekend and suggest it as a plan. Right? So first, for meeting entirely new people, that's finding things that's, that are happening around you where you can meet new people around your interests. The second one is reaching out to people who are in your network, close or not close to you, acquaintances, friends, old colleagues, whatever, and making plans with the people you reached out to last week. Right? So let's say you reached out to Sally this week and you hadn't spoken for five months. You can reach out to her this week and maybe two weeks from now. And then one week later, you can actually make a plan. You can't just not talk to them for five months. And then the first thing you want to do is like, <laughs> let's meet up. So these kinds of things. But the reason I say put it on a post-it note or make it a recurring event in your calendar is that's awesome because you, every week you can do something about your social life and you cannot put it off. That's the point. Every time it's going to be, hey, do you, do you have time? Do you have time this week to do something? Uh, it's just don't judge yourself too much if you skip a few weeks. But this can make a big difference. And the reason why is that if you want to have a social life, you got to make time for it. And the, the way your life as a cycle is going, there is no time for it. So it's, it's like you want to go to the gym. Either you make time for it or you don't. That's like this. It doesn't have a place yet. So making a, something recurring every week, it reminds you we're building momentum. I like this. I like that there are different levels for making new friends and then also connecting with acquaintances or existing friends. So wherever you are listening, there should be one of those things that can help you ignite more friendships into your life. As we end, Paul, how do you define friendship? A friendship is a really interesting type of relationship. It's dynamic. Dynamic in the sense that you, you can never judge a friendship as written in stone. With time, the type of friendship you can have with a person can change. It can be deep, it can be revealing, you can confine in the other person, or sometimes just be a casual friend and stay that way. And if, if things change in both of your lives, friendship can adapt. It's dynamic, it changes with time. So don't judge it. If it changes all of a sudden, it doesn't mean it's dead. It just changes. It's not static. It's also one of the most optional things in your life. It's completely by choice, right? It's a, a relationship that doesn't depend on a contract. It's not a work contract. It's not DNA. You're not uh, born in the same family. You haven't committed like a romance. You commit to being together for a, a while. You don't do all of these things, but here you are, no strings attached, yet you choose to meet. So me, I see it as one of the relationships where you are the most free. It's one of the, the highest levels of emo expressions of freedom because there is nothing forcing you to meet and yet you still do it. And that's an amazing feature of this really amazing type of relationship. And I think that's a philosopher, C.S. Lewis or something. He wrote a book called uh, The Four Loves and the first love was about 
the universe or God. The second is family love. The third is romantic love. And the fourth is philia, which is love for other friends. That is a beautiful definition of friendship. I like this a lot. So thank you for sharing that with us. Paul is an author, coach. You can learn more about him, reach out to him by going to getthefriendsyouwant.com. Paul, what else would you like people to know about you and your work? About me? I just want them to have a great social life. I don't care if they're introverted, extroverted. I don't, I've worked with people who haven't made friends for 10 years and still changed their social lives. That is so much fun to have. There are so many amazing people to meet. And probably one of them is you who is listening. And we don't want to miss out on you. So bring yourself. And uh, I know some of you are introverts and don't want to go out all the time. Fine. Whenever you find time for us people, right? Show up. We need you. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Paul, and for sharing so many great suggestions and ideas with listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you think it could be helpful to someone else, please share it with them. And if you've enjoyed this episode or found it helpful, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can reach me at contact at changesbigandsmall.com. Remember, change begins with one small step. Have a great week.